So we're into a series uh, called Expresso Yourself, which we started last uh, Sunday. Um, it all came from the fact that we now have an espresso machine in our, in our coffee shop. And, I, and I, I think I made a few people envious last week when I marched up here with a cup of coffee in my hand. So this morning I've just got an empty espresso cup. So you don't look at me sort of gasping for a cup of coffee. We'll all enjoy one together afterwards. But espresso... It's a strong, uh, short, punchy sort of drink. I think many of us, including myself, probably prefer more like a latte or a cappuccino, but it's the espresso coffee that gives it that, that strong punch. It's my job, first thing, every morning. I just need you to know the duty that I have as a husband to my wife. That's every morning, without fail, I trundle off into the kitchen, <coughs> put our espresso machine on, <coughs> and... Uh, suddenly materialise in the front room with a couple of uh, lovely coffees to start our morning. It caffeinates us, it wakes us up, it gets us ready to start uh, a new day. And what we're thinking of in this series is the fact that, in a sense, as Christians, we need to be caffeinated by God. We need to be strong, punchy Christians, ready to to serve him and to be a, a powerful witness for him as we go out into this world. And last week, we reminded ourselves that, of course... God has encaffeinated us. He's given to us his grace and his strength. And I I used a couple of pieces of wood uh, last week and I've decided to bring them out again this week because with these two pieces of wood I simply demonstrated the fact that God, of course, is that kind of vertical relationship. If you look at it in that way, even though we know God is all around us, but it's that presence of God who when we receive Christ we receive his power and his grace and as we've just seen the power of his love we are caffeinated by God and God gives to us his grace and that love and that power and everything that we need so that we can live for Jesus but the really important thing for us to understand is that we we don't gather together on a Sunday morning like this just for ourselves you know just so we can receive everything from from God and like selfishly keep it all to ourselves But rather, using another block of wood, I reminded ourselves that we actually have to reach out horizontally. So having received from God everything we need from him, we then horizontally reach out to other people. And we go out into this world, caffeinated with God's love, reaching out and sharing God's love. As we sometimes sing that old chorus in our song, but to be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. We don't just want to receive that caffeinated power of God's love. We want to reach out horizontally to the others. And of course, that expression of God's love was truly demonstrated when God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was demonstrated when God became Jesus on the cross. And that relationship not only with God and man, but with each other, was totally come together. And and what a caffeinated moment that was on on Calvary. Well, to set the scene um, for our message this morning, I just want to tell you something that happened uh, to Dawn and me a few years ago. In fact, before we came to live in London, we were driving merrily uh, down the street, and we experienced, for the first and only time we've ever experienced it, we experienced road rage. There was this young guy in this car who suddenly decided to, um, to sort, of, uh, sort of drive in front of us and drive alongside of us and, and really sort of 
quite intimidated by the way he was driving. And even when we reached the, the junction where eventually he turned one way and we turned the other, even before then, he, he, he careered in front of us and intimidated us before he revved up and drove off, leaving a puff of smoke behind him. As I said, this was before I came to live in London. Now I live in London, and particularly on Sloan Street, I find that everybody actually drives like that around there. Um, but, you know, that road rage, that sort of intimidating way, sort of was quite, um, quite, quite intimidating. That's the only word I can use. But it seems to be typical of the evolving culture of today. And is a perfect illustration of what I want to talk about this morning, and that is rudeness. Rude is the mood of our culture. Everywhere we look, we seem to encounter rudeness these days. Um, the Havard professor Robert D. Putman refers to the rudeness epidemic. A two-year study revealed that six out of ten people believe that rudeness is on the rise, The research also revealed that 79% of us feel that rudeness is a serious problem, and a further 73% of the people who responded said that we had more respect for other people in the past than we do today. And according to a number of commentators, there seems to be no doubt that rudeness is rife, that there may well be, as the professor says, a, a rudeness epidemic. I even discovered a website called rudebusters.com where you can go and get advice and help if you are a victim of rudeness. What a society in which we live. But if rudeness is epidemic and a real issue in society, then isn't it something we as Christians need to address as we try to express ourselves more perfectly than that? If rudeness is becoming the norm... Could there be a danger that it becomes excusable, even acceptable, for us as Christians and even within the church? And if that is so, isn't it something that preachers should not be avoiding, but rather preaching on and addressing? Maybe it is something that needs a powerful punch today. And interestingly, the Bible refers to that. And, you know, this lovely chapter we had read to us so beautifully this morning, which we often, you know, hear read at at weddings and funerals, right in the middle of there, we see some teaching on rudeness. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. This power of God's love is not any of those things. It's not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude. It does not insist on getting its own way. So what does rudeness mean? What is being rude? Well, it's being impolite, it's being inconsiderate, it's being offensive, it's being obscene. Furthermore, rude for us this morning means to deliberately disrespect yourself, others, and God. The Greek word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians for rude is the word ashkimonio, which according to my Greek dictionary means to act improperly, to act dishonorably, to act indecently, and to act rudely. So let's ask the question why, why some people are rude. And it's similar to the last week's message in a sense, isn't it, that 
I don't know about you, but I find it very easy to judge, as we talked about last week. It comes quite naturally to me. I find it quite easy to be rude. It's just so easy, isn't it, by what you say, what you do. Sometimes by not what you say and do, you can be rude to others. So let's ask the question, why why are some people rude? Why can we sometimes be rude in our weak moments? As I'm speaking to you this morning, I'm looking, of course, right out onto Oxford Street. And we don't have to go very far here this morning to walk down Oxford Street. And you can easily find out that just the pace of life can cause rudeness. You try walking down Oxford Street when it's really busy, and you just encounter rudeness, don't you? People dashing and walking along and sometimes, you know, cutting you up. And, you know, sometimes you have to bombard your way along. And And it seems to be... Uh, quite illustrative, just on our doorstep here, of the very pace of life which can cause rudeness. Some people say it's the parents' fault. Some people say that young people are rude, and that is the fault of their parents. Children are not taught and, um, uh, about being rude, and they, they are not taught good manners. Um, and sometimes older people consider it rude when young people don't respect them. And interestingly, young people consider it rude when older people insist on being given respect without first earning it. Thirdly, entertainment. Um, We have a son who's uh, just about to start his third year at university. He's doing TV production, and during the summer he's been doing some work experience. And just last week he did a couple of episodes for a TV show called Celebrity Juice. Now, I've never seen Celebrity Juice but one or two of you are smiling, and I'd like to see you after the meeting. <laughs> um, I've never seen it, but I have seen it now, because um, our son Tim came back, and he was um, quite taken aback, because a number of celebrities that he was being a runner for were really quite rude and quite arrogant. Uh, it's almost as if to get on to be a celebrity, you know, you've got to have this arrogant rude, uh, rudeness towards people. And the, the, the particular um, episode that I saw um, on Thursday night, I think it was, um, one of the panel members had a lisp, and this became an ongoing jibe at his expense, and then they brought other people on who had lisp, and they were all just taking, you know, having a big joke at, at, at something like this, and it was just, in a sense, rudeness done in the name of entertainment. And, of course, you have to laugh along with it, and you have to go along with it, because that is the culture in which we live. I have to also say some of it was tastefully done as well. And so it leads to my next point, that fourthly, rudeness is on the increase due to the casual culture in which we live. Rudeness is a function of culture. It's become acceptable to be rude. It's become acceptable to put down others. It can even, like like these celebrities, it can even enhance your status if you have the ability to be rude and disrespectful to someone else. And that leads on to my final point. Some believe you need to be rude in order to be successful. To push people out of the way, to disrespect people, to, to, to make sure that you're in pole position to get promotion. To subtly put someone in their place can be a way of elevating yourself. But there are two other reasons I just want to bring to you, which I think are quite prevalent in our society today. And the first is this. It's simply ignorance. 
Looking back on that situation of road rage that Dawn and I were involved in, I mean, that guy was just completely ignorant of anything around him, certainly ignorant of, of us, the fact that we had the right to have at least some space on the road, inconsiderate and disrespectful of the highway code and, 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 and how to drive. It was just simply ignorance of so many things, ignorance of us as people, ignorance even of the consequences of driving dangerously. He was ignorant of the fact that he was also loved by God and that love should be expressed to others. And sometimes just plain ignorance can be a major cause of rudeness. And a major thing is that they are ignorant of their own self-worth and value. Whenever you see someone being rude, just remember that they don't realize how much they are loved by God, how valuable they are, because they wouldn't treat others and themselves that way, I'm sure, if they did realize that. But the second main point I want to make is is arrogance. Ignorance leads to arrogance, like I mentioned about the the celebrities on Celebrity Juice. And this driver that we encountered was not only ignorant, he was quite arrogant in the way he drove and the way he was making expressions to us. It was an an offensive display of superiority or self-importance and overbearing pride, as my dictionary tells me what arrogance is about. And that was just that driver in a nutshell. He displayed a superiority of self-importance. It was all about him. And that's not a Christian value, is it? For us as Christians, it's all about him, not all about me. And that's why ignorance plus arrogance equals rudeness. Rudeness is deliberately rubbing yourself, rubbishing others, rubbing God. And I think it's time we threw away that formula. And instead of ignorance plus arrogance equals rudeness, we need to put in a new formula, and here it is. Knowledge plus humility equals respect. Doesn't that sound better? Doesn't that sound more Christ-like? That instead of ignorance, we need to have knowledge. We need to know that we are loved by God. We need to know that we matter to God. We need to know that God through Christ did the work on the cross to secure our salvation. And once we have that knowledge, once we are are dialed into that, what happens? We become humbled. We realize that Christ humbled himself on this cross and that we too have to take that humility rather than arrogance. Instead of self-centeredness, we need Christ-centeredness. And because of that, we in turn can humble ourselves before others as we reach out to them and treat others as we would want to be treated ourselves. So we have this formula that's formulating and moving in our lives by the grace and the mercy of God. Remember the verse we looked at earlier from 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not envious, or boastful, or arrogant, or rude, it does not insist on getting its own way. Road rage is nowhere to be seen in that verse. By the way, the Greek word used for love here is probably a Greek word you do know, the word agape. Um, The word agape is is a word for love. The Greek language has a number of words for love, and agape is just one of them, but it's a word seldom used outside of religious literature. It's a, a word particularly associated with God. It's the highest form of love. 
It's this kind of vertical love, the power of God's love, as we've just sung. And man turned his back on God and ignored that love and said, I want to do my way instead. But you know, when people were rude to Jesus, how did Jesus respond? Did he respond and return that rudeness? No, he didn't. He returned that rudeness with agape, with love, even the love that took him to the cross. I want to finally come to what is the heart of this message. What do we do about rudeness? How can we change this mood that is rude? A rude reversal. That's the issue that is hanging in the balance just here. I mentioned earlier that Dawn and I have a a coffee from our espresso machine first thing every morning. It caffeinates us, it wakes us up, gets us ready for a new day. And in some ways, we as Christians sometimes need that wake-up call as well. In this rude, crude culture in which we live, we need a wake-up call to remind ourselves and that's not the way that Christ wants us to express ourselves. And I think it's time that we get caffeinated by the power of God. You see, what happens when people are rude or when they hurt us or offend us? It's just that we want to be rude back. It's a natural reaction. I do. It's just, you know, it gets the worst out of me. But we need to look at Jesus, as I said before, and see that, you know, that was not his word, way. And when you speak to people, you need to make sure and I need to make sure that we speak with honesty and not with hostility. You, you, you will know many of you, the well-known speaker and author, Rick Warren. He said some years ago, if you are right and if you are rude, then you are wrong. And I thought to myself, how often have I been in that position? Maybe may right, but I was rude and therefore I was in the wrong. And we may have all been in that position in a marital situation, in a family situation, in a work situation, in a team situation, even in church situations. In Ephesians 4, verse 15, we are instructed to speak the truth in love. And again, the word, Greek word used in that verse again is agape. Speak the truth in the caffeinated power of God's love. Speak that to others and share it with others. And we read in Proverbs 15:23, what a joy it is to find just the right word for the right occasion. Don't you think that's a great prayer for us all to make this morning? Oh God, give us just the right word for just the right occasion. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world that we live in if all of us could respond like that? When we feel tempted to act in a rude or arrogant way, we need to ensure, first of all, that we do not act thoughtlessly. Let's take on board the views and feelings of of others. Let's have a thought for other people. Secondly, do not act carelessly. Let's understand what effect our words and what our actions can have on others. Let us not act in a way that is anything less than caring. And finally, do not act graciously, gracelessly rather. Let's understand that we are also sinners who have been forgiven by God and that the grace that we have received 
needs to be extended to others. 1 Peter 2.17 says, Show proper respect to everyone. That's a caffeinated verse, isn't it? Show proper respect, not just to people you agree with or like or have an affinity with, but show proper respect to everyone. Do you know what respect means? It means showing love in the little things. Respecting just means taking note of all those things which make up our life. Respect condenses love into espresso-type acts, and yet they can be such a powerful punch when we express them in that way. It compresses love into little acts of love and kindness. We need to, as Christians, as we express ourselves to others, we need to be courteous, not condescending. Let's not do God's job for him. Let's not act as judge, as we, 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 we thought last week, over people. Not, let's not try to get our own back. Let's, let's remember we are called to walk as Jesus walked. Jesus didn't return rudeness with rudeness, but he returned rudeness with agape love. And that's what we are called to do. But we can't do that unless we receive the power of God's agape love unless we are willing and ready to express that love to others. And once we are vertically right with God, then we will show our respect for others in a horizontal way. We will have respect for God and respect for ourselves. And do you know what? That will truly caffeinate our Christianity. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And those of you here who have come across this verse before, I don't know about you, I find it one of the most challenging verses in Scripture. To consider others better than me. You really have to be caffeinated by God's love. Humanly, I can't do that. Humanly, I have to confess before you that I fail in that. But we are called to be so empowered by the, the, by the power of God's love that when we express ourselves to others, all we can see is God in those other people. We will never be rude to others if we see them as God's children. Sometimes as an officer, you know, I get people who might criticise one of my predecessors. And as officers, it's so easy to receive that and almost to be joyful in that. Oh, good, I might be better than all those who have gone before me. But I have been tempted on occasion to say, oh, um, my predecessor actually is related to me. And I'd just love to see their faces. That isn't the case, actually. Um, as it happens, Ray and I are not related. But actually we are, aren't we? We are brothers in Christ. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are related. That's it. That's why we sing in that chorus that we are adopted in his family. And we shouldn't be rude to each other. We see each other as God's child and that through him we are related. And I'm not just meaning even just to fellow Christians within this meeting, but to see everybody as a child of God, which of course is what the Bible says they are. And that is agape in action. Love is not rude. If we want to express all the grace of God and the love of Jesus and the caffeinated power of the Holy Spirit, we need to express that kind of humility and that love. And I want to share this final verse with you as I close this message this morning. 
And I found it. I stumbled over it, actually, to be honest, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. I don't know what you think. I think this just sort of perfectly underscores uh, what I think God is trying to say to us here through his word this morning. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor, circum- nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through agape love. And I, I wish I could have written that verse for myself because that just so, it so expresses, I think, what we need to hear this morning. And I pray that God, through the Holy Spirit, will give each one of us powerful, caffeinated lives that can live like that. God, forgive us for those times when we have been less than the kind of true expression of your love to others.